Well, good morning. Welcome to the uh, Calling Community Church. My name is Pastor Brady Tessor. We're so excited that you're here today. I want you to do me a favor. Do me a favor. We don't do this a lot, but I want you to just take an opportunity to, to just say hi to somebody that you're like, I'm not quite sure that I've met you before. Maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe you've met them five times and you're just now trying to figure out their name. I know some people don't like to do this. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, just say, say hi to somebody close to you today, all right? So let's make sure everyone... Yeah, you might have to stand up. That might require you to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. That's okay. There you go. Come on in. If you just walked in, we're just visiting with each other. Got some love going on, some hugs. I know this is awkward if you're new, but that's okay. You'll have to get over it. Hey, Joe. How you doing, man? Good morning. Good to have you back, man. Great to see you. That's right. Keep visiting. They're back there still visiting. So I had an interesting uh, question that I ran across this week about uh, what it is that, that causes you to, like, feel like you have to be somebody you're not or have to be like, I have to act extra spiritual when I'm in a particular setting. And I asked people, when is that 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 happens to you? And I knew this answer was going to happen. And, of course, someone immediately said, church when they come to church they have to kind of pretend to be somebody that they're not they have to kind of put on this this I don't I wouldn't want I don't want to call it a facade or, or a face or a mask or whatever now that doesn't mean you should go into a public place wherever it is and be unruly you know we should we, there's proper etiquette and those things that go along with that but but there is this sense of can I really be real in church like if they really did know me would they still love me and I'll I'll be honest with you that's a fear that I can have as a pastor I mean I I don't want to be put on a pedestal but people put pastors on pedestals I'm sitting on one (laughs) Which I, I don't know why I'm doing this today. I just saw, I saw that still say, I want to sit down today. Because um, I typically don't sit here. But So I just had that thought. Like it's, you know, when I'm serving, when I'm loving other people, when I'm talking to other people, am I being authentic? Or am I, is this my, is this my show face? You know, this is my show. I got put on the, put on the costume and I, I go to work and then I put it away when I'm done. And hopefully, if you know me well enough, you've been around me long enough, you would, you would know that it's authentic, that it's real. Not perfect. Not perfect. But authentic and real. And hopefully, that's who you can be and who you feel like you can be when you, when you come. And so I just, I just felt like I just wanted to share that. Hey, do you have any stories, any cool God stories about uh, after last week, Pastor Brady spoke and he had you guys come and pick up Bibles. You have any cool Bible distribution stories? Surely somebody pa- at least passed out one of those Bibles that Pastor Brady encouraged you to pass. Anybody, a cur- an encouraging story, something like you pass one out and they threw it back at you or they, you know, anything like that. Any stories, any God stories? I'll get Brady back up here and he'll share for 30 minutes about all his stories. 
Anyone? Okay, you're like, oh man, I knew he was going to ask that. <laughs> I mean, challenge. If, you, if you're new, and by the way, we're glad that you're here, and we would ask that you do something for us, and we ask that everybody does this so that nobody feels like it's an awkward thing. Take your bulletin, pull off that little piece that's uh, attached to it, fill that out for us. Everyone can fill that out. And also there's a place for prayer requests in the back. You can do that too. And uh, we will have an offering basket as you come forward today. We're going to do communion together. We have the table set. And you can just drop that in the offering basket. And if you have an offering to give today, you can place it in there as well. We gave a bulletin to you. My wife puts these together every week. Hopefully you'll look at those. You'll be encouraged by what you find in there. and Maybe be challenged to use or be involved in some of the things that we have going on. All right, so any stories? All right, I'm going to tell one then. So we, yesterday, or last week, we went to the, there's two Mexican restaurants here in town. We went to the newer, newer one. It was packed full of calling community people. And so there's no room for us there. So we thought, well, let's just go, we'll go to Maria's. And so we decided to go to Maria's. We took the couple that um, led worship for us last week, took them to lunch to bless them. And when we, we got there, there was plenty of seats. We went in, we sat down. And at the end, we went to pay. And the guy that was taking our money said, hey, are you, are, is your husband the pastor of a church? And my wife's like, yes. And, and he goes, oh, good. He goes, my mom's going to come to town and I need to find a church to go to before she gets here. All right. And, and my wife was like, perfect. It's just right down the road. It's, it's really, so I, I gave him my card. And then the lady, uh, Darla, that led worship with us, she's, she's like, hey, wait a minute. I have one of those Bibles that he gave us in Spanish. And she goes, well, let's take it back into him. And so that's what we did. We went back in, just like Pastor Brady said to encourage us. I said, hey, hey, this is a great, this is a great book. I want you to read it and let me know what you think about it. Hopefully I'll get a chance to see you next week or the week to follow or whatever, whenever his mom comes to town. And so we gave it up. So that was that, was that one little encounter that we had. Anybody, no one else had one, any of those? Yes, Sean? Yeah, yeah. That's right. Come up here. Come here, real quick. Hurry. We got time. Yeah, come on, man. Come on. Hurry. A little faster. There you go. <laughs> this on? This on? All right. This is good, man. Come on up here. It's not so scary. Not so bad. Um, a lot of you all don't know me, but I'm Sean Murphy. I'm Stephanie Hensley's brother and Jimmy Hensley's brother in law. So. They come and got me this morning. Um, I was uh, meeting with Brady. Brady Rogers, actually, the priest last uh, weekend, he comes and gets me for breakfast on the weekends when he's in town. We were at the uh, Dearborn Cafe where I was staying in Dearborn this week, and uh, we was at the cafe. We got through uh, ministering to some, uh, well, a waitress there, actually, that was our waitress, and uh, really nice uh, way that Brady allowed me to help share the gospel with him for the first time. I was impressed he we got to the register and he got to sharing with the waitress while we were standing there she was you know ringing us up and uh he gave her or no he asked her if she wanted to pray for anything and she said yeah i'd like prayer that'd be great and he said well what would you like the lord to do for you and i was standing there you know just witnessing this just smiling she said with tear in her eye coming down she said i just to be forgiven of my sins and I thought, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. And she'd say that first. So we prayed with her, and she dedicated her life to the Lord right there. And Brady was so excited. He says, we got to go get her one of those little booklets. We got in the truck, and uh, 
parking lot and he said, hey, will you go, I'm, a, I'm gonna give you your first ministry desk, will you go give her one of these little booklets? I said, sure. So he gave me the booklet and I went back into the cafe uh, and I gave her the booklet. Of course, he wrote his number down and uh, you know, the little you know, message for her, you know, um, hopefully she'll come to church with us, but, uh, or not with us, but I mean, come to church. But she's from Weston right now and she's living in Weston. And we just pray for her, her name's Logan Smith and uh, she's got a little baby and it was just an awesome experience. So just, that's my story. I mean, it's- That's good, all right, awesome. That's, that's exactly what I was looking for, something like that, where you have the opportunity to engage someone in conversation and uh, share, sh- just pray with them. You know, most people will not turn down prayer. Like if you say, hey, is there anything I can pray with you about? Do you need prayer for anything? Uh, we, uh, listen, if anybody ever offers to pray for you, just let them, okay? And we all need prayer. We all need that uh, re-encouragement in our life, and so I encourage you to do that. So let's review the last few weeks that, uh, that we've been, been jumping in. We jumped into the Purpose Driven Life series. If you're, if you're familiar with that, it's Rick Warren who wrote this incredible book, um, and it touched a lot of people's lives, and we thought, you know, this, we had five weeks in July. Let's go through the five purposes for your life to answer this question, what on earth am I here for? Like, why why did God breathe life into me? Why did he, in my mother's womb, call me out, place me into this world? And what is my purpose? Why am I here? And so we started out by discovering that we are planned for God's purpose, okay? Or for his pleasure. We're planned for his pleasure. He wants us to worship him. The first commandment that Jesus gives us as people is to love God. That's the first thing. It is vertical. So I'm going to have you guys do this with me this morning. We're going fi- to go through these five things together. So first of all, it's vertical. So put your arms up, all right? Man, you're, just, you're in a charismatic church. You didn't even know it. Woohoo! You just raised your hand in church maybe for the first time, all right? Raise them like you're proud. You send you all the way up. There you go. Make sure you wore deodorant. Boom. All right? We, it's about him. It's vertical. It's about pointing up. And then we discovered in the second week that we were formed for God's family. It's the second commandment. Love God is the first. Love others is the second. So remember, love is spelled T-I-M-E. When we give each other our time and we love one another rightly. So now, don't knock the coffee out of someone's hand, but put your arms out. All right? All right? So it was about loving him. Now it's about loving others. We were created to be like Christ was the third purpose. It was about discipleship. It was about becoming like Jesus. And we figured out that it's a process. It's a training that we go through. I had uh, uh, an officer come who who has been involved in training others in police work. And their discipleship process is kind of like the same as ours where we We come and we watch someone else be like Christ. We watch them um, and we learn from that. And then we do it with them. We do ministry together. I thought it was awesome. Brady and Sean doing ministry together so that someday Sean's going to be out on his own and he's going to do ministry. He's going to be like, this is the way Brady does it. And um, he challenged me and encouraged me. And so we talked about that, that process of discipleship. As we watch and learn, we do and learn, and then we teach others to do the same thing. And as brothers and sisters in Christ, we're responsible for helping each other grow. I mean, that is one of the things God calls us to do. We're responsible for 
each other. Now, our training manual is a little different than the police force. Our training ma manual is obviously the Bible. It's Scripture. And when we, when we dive into what Scripture has to say and we begin to live it out, it causes an inward transformation. So we had the vertical. It's about worship. It's about Him. Then it's about loving others. And now it's about transforming me from the inside out. All right? So go like this. Point to the inside. All right? It's about inward transformation. And then last week, if you are here, uh, Brady taught on this idea of how God wants to use us for ministry. He, he gave this great illustration of a bow and arrow and like how God is stretching us out. He's pulling us back, aiming us at a target to release us to go do ministry. Do you believe that the other day at breakfast, God stretched Brady and Sean back and shot them into that cafe that young lady, who well, some of us have a connection with that young lady. We've known her. She played softball with my daughter when she was in high school. And uh, God sent them there that day to minister to her. And, and they, they hit the target. They, they loved on her. They shared with her. They prayed with her. And they encouraged her. The Purpose Driven Life book actually talks about how God shaped us for ministry, and he uses the word shape, S-H-A-P-E, and he uses this acronym to kind of help us walk through how we're shaped, and he, he says that we have all have spiritual gifts. At the moment that you receive Christ in faith, the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you by faith, and he comes bearing gifts, and he has gifted you in a certain way to use you to serve him and to bless others. Listen, it, when you begin to figure that out, like, wow, that's why I love doing this, because God has gifted me to do that. So he has given you spiritual gifts. If you've never taken a spiritual gift assessment or like a test, you could go to uh, the webpage, thecallingcommunitychurch.com. There's a little tab that says spiritual gift test. Click it on. 70-some questions will just help you discover how it is that God has maybe gifted you for ministry. And then the best thing to do with that is to come back and say, hey, Brady, it says that, uh, that I'm really, I have a really, I have a gift, a strong gift of mercy. Like I really just love helping people. How can I use that in, in, church, in church life? How can I use that not only in the church, but out in the community? Oh, there's hundreds of ways you could use that gift. If, if you get a gift, you want to unwrap it and you want to use it. Okay, don't just keep it to yourself. The second one is H, heart. What is, what is it that stirs you? What are you passionate about? What do you love to do? And then how can God turn that into ministry? Like your passion into ministry. What do you love to do? A, abilities. What are you good at? What are you good at? If these musicians weren't good at playing an instrument, would we want them to be on the stage? Not really. I mean, there's a lot of grace here because <laughs> we're in church, but we want them to be gifted and good at, and if they have that ability that's God-given, shouldn't they use it to serve? Absolutely. You might be good at welding. How can God use that to bless somebody else? You might be good at leading and administrating and all kinds of different things that God has given you the, the gift at. P, personality. How are you wired? 
Any husbands and wives in the room, and you, you, you obviously figured out pretty quickly that you two people aren't the same, <laughs> that you're just wired differently. And isn't that good for the most part? <laughs> There's some tension that goes along with that. But you're not the same, and you can accomplish more because you're wired differently. What is your personality type? It might be hard to believe, but I am off the charts extroverted. My wife, on the other hand, not so much. She's, she'd rather be alone and quiet and quiet time. And I am, it seems like, always constantly looking for a party. I'm like, where's the people? Where are they at? I got to get to them. And then experience. All of us have experiences. All of us have been through something, right, good or bad, that God can take that, even the worst thing that you've been through, and use it as he shapes you for ministry. Who better to talk to an alcoholic than a former alcoholic? And you would think, man, how, why would I even want God to use that? Well, he'll use it if you give it to him. Those experiences, whatever it is, and no matter how old you are, ladies and gentlemen, you have experiences and these other things that God has shaped you with, you can bless other people with it, no matter what your age is. And so, so review, vertical, help me, work with me here, people, come on. Vertical, it's about him, it's about loving others, right? Smack the person next to you, okay? And then it's about inward transformation, becoming more like Christ from the inside out. And then um, the last, or not the last piece, but the shape piece then is external, like how can I serve? Like, what, God, you've given me this, now how can I use it to serve other people? You know, Jesus came to the earth to serve, and he calls us to do the same thing. And I promise you, as soon as you start figuring that out, wherever you are in life, and I, just young people, if you're under the age of 18, look at me right now. Under the age of 18, look at me. If you want to experience true joy, even at your age, I know you're probably going to hate me for this, but you know what? Serve your siblings. Bless them. Do something for them. Encourage them. And then let's get really crazy. How about serve your parents? And I'm not talking about breakfast in bed, which that would be a good thing too, as long as you don't make a mess. But, but serve them. Help them. Hey, hey, here's a cr crazy question, kids. Hey, mom, dad, what, what can I do? What do you need me to do? Here's my hands. What do you want me to do with them? Your parents, after they get up off the floor from passing out, all right, they will have a list of things for you to do. And you say, and don't do it, don't do it thinking, well, I'll serve you because I know I'm getting something in return for it. Now, they, they've given you life, okay? Amen. There's some parents in the room. Amen. And as most moms will say, I brought you into this world and I can take you out, all right? So they, your parents have given and you give back to them in return. And you start getting in a habit of serving now, and it'll serve you well in every area of life. I promise you it will. Well, today, we're going to conclude this series, and we're going to explore this thought or this idea of how we were made for a mission. We were made for a mission. Now you can almost hear the dun 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 do 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 
the Mission Impossible theme song, you know. We are made for a mission. And so trying to figure out what is that, what is that mission? Well, the fifth purpose is about how to live out real life evangelism. Real life evangelism. Okay, so you ask, well, what is evangelism? Well, the word literally means this, good news. Evangelism is the public proclamation of good news. Okay? Does anybody like good news? Yeah, yeah, it's hard to find it sometimes. I love to find videos or stories about people who have overcome, who have... uh, who go on, like, I love, this, the, the, love the, the videos of the people who walk out on stage at, like, the X Factor or uh, America's Got Talent or whatever, and at first everybody's like, oh, no, this is going to be horrible. And then they just blow the judges out of the water. Like, I love those, like, I, I love the underdog. I love the underdog stories. I love it when the underdog wins. So I love good news. So just for a few minutes, give me some good news. We got some rain. Anybody anybody notice we got some rain today? A lot of it in a short amount of time. Yeah, that's good. We needed it. Good news. What else? Good news. Come on. Jesus loves you. you. That's That's a Sunday school answer, but that is the truth. The man with the Jesus on his shirt. Jesus, and he does, and it's good news. That's the best news, really. All right, what else? Our oldest daughter, we discovered via a fun little way to reveal it, is having a baby girl in December. Amen. And she hugged me and she's like, that's what you needed, Dad, one more girl. (laughs) It's always that story in my life, just one more girl. But that's okay. It's okay. They're special. I love them. We'll take it. Huh? Yes, that's right. Paige, just this past week, went on this incredible um, American uh, vacation on the road with her parents in an RV and her boyfriend finally got it together and he uh, <laughs> huh oh I know not in the RV <laughs> yeah honey we're driving down the road hey <laughs> you want to take this trip with me forever <laughs> sorry <laughs> but she got it it was, it was a very romantic setting I'm sure it was perfect but he finally got it together and realized that this is a keeper, and he put a ring on that finger. So it's beautiful. She's beautiful. He's beautiful. The whole family's beautiful. That's good news. All right, one more, one more. Some good news. Come on. We live in a free country. Sean's testimony. Where's my, where's my boy Todd? Todd, where are you at? Yes. Todd. And he, this is, everybody, stand up, Todd, real quick. This is Landon's dad. Landon, the little boy we've been praying for. You know, so everybody just give it up. Todd's here this morning. So Land is a precious little four-year-old boy in our community that's been, uh, he's going through leukemia. And uh, Todd, what's the latest? Where's, what's going on? He's in remission, right? We're reminiscing about him being in remission. <laughs> yeah, amen. And that, that all took place like, the day after we all prayed right here in church and so we'll continue to do that so good news we all love good news we cheer for good news 
And the, this, this idea of evangelism or the good news is first found in Scripture in the book of Luke. All right, so um, if you're keeping score at home, if you want to turn there, you can. But we're going to find ourselves um, in the book of Matthew, towards the end of Matthew here in just a minute. But if you want to look at book, uh, Luke chapter 2, and this, this will sound familiar. You've heard this before. You hear it every December. And the angel said to them, this is in Luke 2, 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good news or great news or whatever, however your translation goes. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus' name is salvation. The name of Jesus brings salvation. He is good news in the flesh. And it was spoken of him as he was born a baby into this world, the giver, the bringer of good news. In Luke 4, Jesus goes into the synagogue, picks up a scroll, opens it up to a prophecy about himself in Isaiah 61. Just so happens, that happens to be the place where he reads and announces the platform for his candidacy as a leader. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for it has anointed me to proclaim what? Good news to the poor. He said, I am here to set people free. If you want to know what I stand for, that's it. It's for freedom. I'm here to set people free. The Bible denotes or defines maybe what the good news is that's going to be proclaimed from the time that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. And it, Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. That is good news. And he defines it as that. Now, now there's many different forms of evangelism. I'm going to show a video clip here in just a minute, so get ready, you guys. There's many different forms of evangelism, ways to proclaim the good news. Brady gave us a great example of how to do that last week. Now, just a, just a side note, and I don't know if anybody ever feels this way, and sometimes I feel that way because Brady just challenges me out of my comfort zone, and I like it that way. But don't think, oh man, I have to be just like Brady if I'm going to really be good at evangelism. Not just like him, it's a good way to be, but you don't have to be Brady. You can be you with your gifts, with your abilities, wherever it is God places you to do evangelism, which means to proclaim good news. And so there's many different ways to do evangelism. We had um, about, shoot, when was it, 2010, Brady? We had the power team in Kansas City on this stage, breaking ice, bricks, boards, and this place was packed four nights in a row with the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, and hundreds of people came forward to give their life to Jesus. That's one way to do evangelism. Door to door, knocking on doors. If you live in Platte City, you've experienced that before, probably not with someone from our church, but probably from a couple other institutions. Door to door, getting trying to give you their version 
of the good news. Street preaching, maybe going out on the street, proclaiming the gospel with a bullhorn, or maybe we did a, in Peru and Haiti, we did a drama. We'd get, draw a crowd, we'd do a drama, we would display the gospel in, in a drama, dramatic form so that people could see it with their eyes and understand the message. And then we would preach a little uh, message and people would come to give their life to Jesus. Just engaging people in conversation, wherever it is that you are, wherever you find yourself, just engaging them in conversation and looking for an opportunity to steer the conversation with a spiritual uh, emphasis or some type of application is a way to do it. I think one of the most natural ways for all of us is one-on-one friendship evangelism. Just with people that you know, that you come in contact with on a regular basis. You know, hey, uh, what, uh, hey, tell me about your family. Or, hey, what did you do when you were, for a job when you were growing up? I see older people, and I'll ask them, hey, if you could go back 50 years, what would be one thing you could change in your life? Man, people want to tell their story. As soon as they start telling their story, you're looking for an opportunity to weave your story. And then on top of all that, wrapped in love is God's story of the good news. And it doesn't have to be forceful. It can be natural. And you look for those openings to do that. Uh, There's Pokemon Go evangelism. Come on, you got to laugh about that. You know what Pokemon, anybody does not know what Pokemon Go is? Have you been living under a rock? You know Pokemon Go, I just saw a young lady and she had her phone out and she, she, her little person in the Pokemon Go app and it's got this circle that's beaming out. It's beaming out looking for Pokemon, right? Or whatever those little characters are. And it tells you if they're close or whatever. What if we adapted a form of evangelism was like Pokemon Go evangelism. Like you're walking around and this thing's like meh. Oh, wait, there's a lost one right there. And you run up to that person, you start throwing balls at them and until they give their life to Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not the most effective way. But what if we did have our radar open or up or whatever, and we're looking around, who is in my life, who is in my life that uh, maybe needs the love of Jesus? Brady had his radar out. <laughs> Brady's always got his radar out. And there's this waitress that needed to hear the good news of Jesus. Well, here, here, just give you an idea of what one way to do evangelism could possibly look like. Check this video out. I want to tell you how to use the Bible when sharing your faith. This is the Amplified Bible, which means it's got more power. It speaks louder than the typical Bible. I had a living Bible. It ran away. It's a long story. My dog ate the corners off this one, came to Christ. All dogs go to heaven, all cats go to hell. But here's a lady that needs Jesus, needs the power of the Word of God. Ma'am, ma'am, do you have time to talk about Jesus Christ? Listen, this is the Amplified Bible. You need the Word of God. Do not leave because this could be your last chance. Do you have time, right? You have time to talk? Yeah. You have time? Come on, then we'll talk together. We'll yeah, just get this going. Listen, read this. Read it. Jesus loves you. Believe. Repent. <laughs> All right. That's one way <laughs> not to do evangelism. 
<laughs> read this. Ah, it's drive-by evangelism. <laughs> Just drive by and throw the Bible at someone while you're driving down the road. <laughs> Brady and I used the form of that where we'd see people, he, we'd whip over to the side of the road, we would accost them with the love of Jesus and a bag of food and the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's, it, it works. It can be effective, but don't try it that way, okay? Kids, please don't do that at home. There's a better way. So what does Scripture have to say about this mission? If we've been given this mission, if we're made for this mission, what does the Bible have to say about it? Well, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, at the end, where it's the end of Jesus' training of his disciples here on earth. He spent the last three plus years pouring into these men. Pouring into the men that he called away from whatever it is that they were doing at the time and said, I want you to come follow me. And he told these guys who were fishermen, he said, you come follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. I will give you a different calling. I will change the course of your life. I will give you something new to do. So he equipped them and he's preparing them to go and take this message that he has modeled for them. He's lived it out in front of them. He's loved them. And now he says, now I'm giving it to you. And listen to what it says in this, in this passage of scripture that's called the Great Commission. So he's commissioning them. He's blessing them to go do this. And he says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. This is at verse 16. So they went to Galilee, to the mountain in which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Yet some were still wondering, is this, is this really him again? I mean, because I swore he was gone. And now he's, he's back? And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He sends them out. He tells them to go. And praise God that they went. We are benefactors today, right here. And you're hearing of the good news of Jesus Christ because these guys took it seriously. I love how the word commission, I, I broke it into two different phrases, co-mission. It's a co-mission, it's a partnership between us and the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you are sharing with someone the good news of Jesus Christ, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you to empower you, to equip you. That doesn't mean you might not be scared. That doesn't mean you might not feel ill-equipped. You might feel that way, but the reality is, is you've got the spirit of the living God living in you to help you, to encourage you, to remind you of his great love for you. Can you imagine these disciples? They all 
remember watching Jesus love and heal and teach. They watched him die. And then they saw him rose again. And that message right there radically changed the world. In Acts 1.8, he, he told them that, uh, that they were supposed to go and be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Go and be my witnesses. Well, what does a witness do at a trial? They're called to what? To tell the truth? They're called to testify, aren't they? They are called to testify on what it is that they've experienced and what it is that they've seen. And they testify to the truth, right? That's what a witness does. And so when someone says, hey, have you ever have you been out witnessing? Have you witnessed to anybody? That means have you testified about the truth of who Jesus is, his death and his resurrection, and the difference he's made in your life? Because listen, one thing that people cannot deny is how Jesus has changed you. How can they argue against that? Especially if they once knew you in your former state. Because <laughs> the Bible says in Christ you're a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. When they used to see the old, but now they've seen the new, how are they going to argue with that? You leave the revelation of the death and resurrection of Jesus up to the Holy Spirit to that person. You can't prove that. Now, the, these, these guys, they lived it, so they had a better chance of, like, no, no, I'm serious. I was there. Like, I saw him. But that same message holds true to us today, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit that reveals that to people. It is God's job to woo them in. It is your job to testify to the truth that you know. And trust that God's going to use that to make a difference in someone's life. And so that's exactly what they did. They continued on. Immediately after that, Peter finds himself in Acts chapter 4 in a precarious position <laughs> to stand before the people of Israel, the people that were there in his hearing, to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. He says, this Jesus who you crucified was predestined to die and rise again, and that's exactly what he did. And because of that, we're going to go change the world with this message. Because of that, we're not backing down in fear any longer. I mean, Peter knew fear, but no longer does he know fear because he has seen the resurrected Jesus. And he begins to proclaim this message that spread throughout. And it spread to you and me. Look what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Got to finish up here. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Now the full number of those who had believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Once again, it's a beautiful picture of the way church is supposed to be. 
Everything that we have, we have in common. As far as what I have, it's yours. If you need it, you can have it. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. They were giving their testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. And you know, that is the same thing that he expects out of you and me. The same thing. Just in a different context, in a different culture, in a different setting, but same truth. Do you know that God will interject people into your story just for that exact purpose, is for you to testify to the power of the resurrection? Parents, listen, God gave you children to testify to the power of the resurrection. That is your first and primary responsibility as a parent. That is the only thing you can give your kids that will last forever. All the other things you give them, it's all going to burn. But not their salvation. And as a church, we implore parents to be the primary evangelist in their kid's life primary disciple maker in their kid's life. I love where it says in 1 Peter, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks a reason for the hope that is within you. 1 Peter 3.15 Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Do not be an obnoxious Christian. We of all people should be the most loving that doesn't mean we back down from the truth, but we do it with love and gentleness and respect out of compassion. I love in scripture where Jesus said, it says about Jesus, he saw the people and he had great compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Listen, that, that thing, that radar that you're sending out is a radar of compassion. Man, my heart hurts for people who don't know Jesus because of their eternity because of their current reality, they don't know Jesus. And I know him. And I know what he's done for me. And I know what he can offer them if they would just choose to receive it. We have hope because of the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that conquered sin and it conquered death. No other institution on earth no other person on earth can make that claim and it's the reason why we can have hope even in the midst of death in this world we live in use your personal story use your experiences use everything that God has done in your life use the gospel that we place inside the bulletin it's a simple little gospel presentation weave your story into it make it personal Make it real. And then lastly, evangelism. This is Luis Palau. He's a great evangelist in, in a Latino world. He says, evangelism is not an option for the Christian life. It's not an option. 
Meaning it's not just one thing we could do. It is the thing <laughs> that we need to be about. Because scripture says we are his ambassadors. Second Corinthians chapter 5. God is making his appeal to this broken world through you and me. Our mission is to introduce others to him and his purpose for their life. And the mission impossible theme, <laughs> it is your mission if you choose to accept it. There's a ministry here in Kansas City, and just challenge you with this as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper. There's a ministry here in Kansas City called the Sending Project. And over the next five years, they're wanting to recruit 10,000 followers of Jesus in this city. 10,000 followers of Jesus in this city who would exchange their plans for God's plans and get involved in this mission of testifying to the gospel of God's grace in this city. And the quote that they use, it says, this mission happens out there in the streets, not just in the seats. It happens out there in the streets. You can get empowered and encouraged here, but you've got to take it with you and you got to go and proclaim the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. So if the first purpose is vertical, do it with me. And then we learn to reach out and love others because it's horizontal. And then we learn that we want to be transformed from the inside out because it's internal and we're shaped for ministry so that we can then live it out externally. Well, the last piece is the implica implications of evangelism are eternal. And there's a starting point at a point that you come to your faith in Jesus Christ. And it is eternal and it goes on forever. And that's this mission that he's calling us to. It's not going to be easy. It's opposed by the enemy. Look in Acts chapter 4. They tried to shut them up. How can we keep these guys to be quiet about the resurrection of Jesus? Because if they keep telling this to people, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rock this world. And they told them, commanded them, do not talk anymore in this name. Do not speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Yeah, right. You know what? I just have to share this. I was awake at 4.30 this morning. There's probably going to come a day in this country where the government's going to tell Christians to shut up. And that'll probably be the day that the church becomes more alive than it's ever been in America. Because don't you dare tell us not to testify any longer in the name of Jesus. Because he's changed me. And he can change you.